I have to start with a confession. I came terribly close to wearing Groucho Marx glasses in the pulpit this morning. You know the ones I'm talking about, right? The novelty glasses that come with a mustache and nose and, and plastic frames that uh, if I happen to have a, a cigar handy to complete the look, you'd think either I was trying to be the life of the party or perhaps instead in disguise, wink, wink, wink. Of course, you've seen people wear these, right? Do, do you forget who they are? No, it's pretty obvious who the person is. I guess that's partly the gag. Well, in the Gospels, especially after the resurrection, Jesus often seems to be disguised, but very thinly disguised. Almost, I mean, we can tell who he is, but, but almost as if he's wearing those silly glasses and then, and then in a moment takes it off and we say, oh, it's Jesus. But it's always at a certain moment. It's always at a certain moment. In fact, time and time again, people don't seem to notice that Jesus is standing right there in front of them. They're going about whatever they were going about before, focused on whatever uh, there was going on in their lives, whatever was making them angry, whatever was getting their attention, or perhaps just walking through the grief and sadness that happened to be their life at that moment, and it was for many of them. Mary doesn't recognize Jesus at the tomb. Who, who does she think she is? he is? The gardener. The disciples, time and time again, they don't realize who it is that they're talking to. I mean, how hard could it be? Until, of course, Jesus says or does something that connects with their hearts. They're all over the place. They're focusing on everything but what's right there in front of them. And then in the moment that they meet Jesus, suddenly they are there. They are fully present and fully aware that Jesus is alive and with them. Cynthia Bourgeau is a mystic and an Episcopal priest who tells us that there is something to this pattern, that time and again in the Gospels, we see people meet Jesus for the first time and that we should pay attention to that. She says the whole arc to the Gospels, not just in this season after Jesus has returned, but also really throughout the whole Gospel are a series of what she calls recognition events of people being surprised by Jesus. Now, now remember something. Unlike us, they don't know the story. None of these folks grew up with, with Sunday school or an Easter vigil or, or going on an Easter egg hunt. Can you imagine that? Wide gaps in their Christian formation, clearly. And yet, and yet in the moment where they meet Jesus, something in them changes. Because when they see him, I mean, they really see him. And suddenly their hearts are warmed and their lives are changed. Think about it. Every, each of the stories, the, the fishermen mending their nets and meeting Jesus and following him because they see him and they recognize who he is. The centurion, the Syrophoenician woman, story after story are of people who don't know the story. And yet when they meet Jesus, something changes within them. 
Even Peter has these moments. He must like them so much he keeps repeating them. He forgets them and has to recognize Jesus over and over again. In fact, in this story where Jesus says, do you love me? Feed my sheep, feed my lambs. A reminder that we all we forget and we have to return over and over again. To Cynthia Bourgeau's mind, we're actually limited by the fact that we know the story already. She calls it 2020 hindsight. She says knowing all the stories can actually keep us from being surprised by those chance encounters with Jesus. She writes, all this knowing about Jesus can actually get in the way. It lulls us into a false sense of security that we're the winning team, that we'd recognize Jesus when he showed up, But even more problematically, it takes away from us the key tool that we need to find and live the path today. This tool is our own power of inner recognition. It's that moment when our defenses break down and suddenly in the images of another person, we see the imprint of God and we just know that the Holy Spirit is present. That's the basic DNA of most stories in the gospel where people suddenly have a heart to heart connection with Jesus that happens because they didn't expect it and they truly see him. This morning's readings are all about moments of recognition. First, Saul is blinded by a vision of Jesus. And by the way, we often talk about wanting to meet Jesus on the road. This was not a nice story. This was not a pleasant experience. This was a meet your maker kind of moment for Saul. And then in the Gospels today, the grieving disciples bring in a massive catch. And they realize that there's something special about the man who is standing right by the seaside. Something about the way he speaks to them. Something about how he calls them to the shore. Something about the way he prepares breakfast for them. They suddenly realize who it is. Their nets are full and they look up and Jesus removes the Groucho glasses. And they realize who it is. It's Jesus. And their hearts are full. But I want to go back to Paul. Because there really seem to be a few layers to his moment of recognition that that really catch my attention. Paul's vision is not a simple moment where God shows up in a flash and says, I have a job for you, write this down, go to it. No, Paul's vision takes days to unravel and multiple players have to get involved. So it starts with Saul, who is not yet Paul, is on his way to Damascus. Let's remember the whole story. Saul had been present, if you will recall, for the very first martyrdom, for the stoning of Stephen. There Paul was at that moment. He was on the road now to Damascus because Saul was was in Jerusalem, but it was beyond Jerusalem that the Jesus movement was really starting to take flight. And so learning about what's going on in Damascus, Saul hits the road to go and regulate, to put a stop to whatever it is 
that's catching fire. So Saul then has a vision on the road, but it's not a very pleasant experience, is it? First, we have to realize that Saul meeting Jesus meant confronting all those people that he had persecuted. There there is no nice way to say this. Saul had blood on his hands. Sometimes meeting God means recognizing the harm that we have done to others along the way. Yet there is great power to change in this recognition event. Raj Nadella speaks of the profound ways in which people can be transformed when they acknowledge the pain and damage of forcing others to see the world as they do. The recognition event that happens in the mirror isn't always pretty. How not pretty is it? Well, if it's a true recognition event, don't expect that you're going to go straight to inner peace. I know we all want that, but that's not likely to happen. Cynthia Bourgeau writes, seeking leads to finding, yes, but the result is that finding, is, uh, the result of that finding is often to plunge you into confusion and disorientation As the new information rattles the cage of your old paradigm, it often leads to confusion and disorientation as your old paradigm gets rattled. In other words, you might gain new sight, but you also might find yourself completely blinded. Who wants to sign up for that? But that is the path so often. And that's what happens to Saul. He has to stumble back to Jerusalem. Imagine this. Saul has to stand up and be led back to Jerusalem and then sit and wait completely blinded for, a few, for someone else to show up at his door and tell him what's next. Now, what I know about Saul before this moment and what I know about Paul after this moment is I don't think he liked not being in control. I could be taking a guess at that one, but I'll bet sitting there for three days, not being able to see and having to wait on somebody else to come and tell him, he must have been going bananas. I borrowed that word from the Aramaic. But the person who shows up is who? Ananias. Now, Ananias, he, he really gets drawn in this story, doesn't he? I mean, he gets a vision too, but, but get this. He is supposed to go to Saul, who he knows perfectly well is the murderer of his fellow disciples. He's supposed to go to this person, really, and lay hands on him. So there's something quite layered here about what it means to be the body of Christ. And it's so layered, I I couldn't begin to unpack it. I only know that there's, there's a lot of mystery here and a lot being said about what it means to be bearers of a shared vision. God doesn't just show up in one vision. God shows up in a constellation of visions, a veritable film festival playing in different noggins all on the same night. A fragmented prophecy that only comes to pass 
If all the players somehow find one another, avoid the temptation to kill one another, and then finally see and recognize Jesus in one another. It, it sounds kind of like a long shot, doesn't it? But think about it. Think about all those times where you meet someone almost at random. And then if, if your heart is open, you might hear them say something that just unlocks something from your own life. I'm talking about when that person who you're meeting, who you never expected to meet, says something that only makes sense because of something you experienced 5, 10, 20 years ago. And you say to yourself, oh my goodness, there is something, they see something I don't see, or rather they probably don't see it at all, but God sees it. There is something about this person. God has put this person in my path. Or maybe God has actually put me in front of this person's path. Despite the fact that there may even be some mutual risk here. And yet something new is coming to pass because of it. We all each hold fragments of this grand vision that is God's. And it's only when we recognize one another. Just as we recognize Jesus that we fully follow it and live it out. So Ananias must have been a very faithful guy because he goes, right? He says what he, he does, what God asks him to do. I, I came across someone's email signature this week that I loved. It was, um, I hadn't heard it, so I looked it up. Courage is fear that has said its prayers. So Ananias must have been afraid and he must have also said his prayers because he goes and he goes and he lays his hands on Paul. And yes, by doing that, it returns Paul's sight. The scales come off of his eyes and he can see again. When have you descended into the kind of confusion and disorientation that Paul went through? Maybe you're there today. We all have those days. But, but think about a time in your life where that has been you. But, but maybe more importantly, who has been Ananias for you? A messenger, a bearer of God's dream, a carrier of, of another precious fragment of God's vision for the world. This is not just a moment or a series of mountaintop experiences. Bourgeau talks about recognition energy as our capacity to be surprised and changed by, by Jesus. And it is that capacity, it is that moment of recognition and change that fuels transformation. In the stories of Jesus, one person after another stumbles into a moment where they recognize the living God. By the way, um, pretty much nobody in the gospel ever encounters faith. I'm using big air quotes here or or takes a step on their faith journey. That's that's preacher talk. And I'll use it every Sunday, but you'll never find it actually in the gospel. Rather, what they do is they trip on faith. They bump their head on faith. They step in it and they get it all over their shoes. And that's why it surprises them. That's why their hearts are changed. That's how Jesus 
becomes a living part of who they are. The disciples, through their tears, look up past their full nets and they realize who has been with them the whole time. They recognize him. It is the Lord, they proclaim. And then Jesus broke bread with them. And they knew that the one who is with them recognized them as well. 